coming up on Podcast 1543. More evidence that Tesla are getting closer to opening up their supercharging network for everyone. Stick around, and I'll tell you what I know. Also on the podcast today, we are talking about why battery recycling could be so important to getting more EVs on the roads. We've got some spy shots of the EV9. That's going to be a big boxy SUV from Kia and BMW's i5 as well. That's looking like, well, a slightly bigger i4 at the minute. Uh, and also why Apple's software ending up in electric vehicles could be their Trojan horse into the industry. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you're listening in the world, welcome to EV News Daily, your trusted source of EV information. Today, it's Tuesday, 26th of July. Uh, my name is Martin Lee, and it's my job to go through every EV story I can find across the industry and whittle it down to 20-odd minutes of what you need to know today. I'm here to save you time. I'm like the TLDR service of electric vehicles. All right, we'll start with this New York Times article that takes a look at Tesla's regulatory filing yesterday and notices they are increasing their spending by about a billion dollars to ramp up their factories to develop new batteries and finance other projects, which not specific what they are, but the increase in capital spending suggests that getting new factories going in Germany and Texas have proven to be more expensive than otherwise expected, says the New York Times. Well, we knew that anyway from Elon Musk calling them uh, cash furnaces or whatever he said, but it's not a huge amount when you look at the, the guidance, which was between six and eight billion to be spent this year on capital expenditures. That's up from a forecast three months ago between five and seven billion. So look, it's not wildly different. I'm really pleased uh, whether the numbers go up and down. I don't know. I've got no skin in, in Tesla's game. I'm not an investor, but I'm just pleased that some of the wobbles they've had recently haven't affected uh, their investment in the future. There's definitely more negative sentiment around Tesla, more than I've seen since the days of when everyone was writing them off. They're going bankrupt. You know, what do they know? They're never going to challenge the car industry. They're going to get bought out. Thankfully, those days are long, long, uh, many years uh, ago. Uh, But this year has seen a little more negativity, more negative articles around Tesla, uh, more negative sentiment around Elon Musk, um, certainly. But through all of that, they sell more cars. Yes, that means there'll be more vehicles on the road with problems, which are getting amplified on social media and news articles, etc., etc. And those problems haven't completely gone away, but... They are increasing their rate of development in terms of expanding Fremont, expanding Shanghai, bringing on Texas and and Berlin. And that's all that I look at. I just want to see more electric cars on the road. And I see Tesla as a great way to force the rest of the industry to up their game and get more serious about it. One of those things that I think Tesla is going to be so key for is increasing accessibility to DC fast charging. Let's move on to this next story where we're getting closer We're getting so much closer to Tesla opening up their supercharging network in North America. Now, hey, look, that's old news here. It's already happened. They've opened up all of their superchargers in places like the Netherlands. The UK has, ah, I forgot the number. It's either like 13 or 16 sites here. But it's pretty much across Europe now. And it's not every single supercharging station. I don't know the criteria that they're picking to open them up. I can guess because they can look at the usage data. They're probably not going to open up one that is one of the more busy ones because you're going to annoy the Tesla drivers. But I can imagine that they are using that criteria to open up the superchargers over here. I haven't tried it yet. 
on the mighty, mighty MG that I drive. But uh, I know plenty of people that have, and it's very much an anticlimax because it's so easy. Like all things Tesla, charging. You turn up, you open the app, you select the stall, and it starts charging, which is the way it should be. But in the US, things are a little bit different. It's still a locked down private network. But the EV market is changing and Tesla are bidding for portions of billions of dollars in federal and state money that are up for grabs in the coming years, writes the Wall Street Journal. Um, They say that recent regulatory filings and other documents indicate the company is applying for public funds that, if granted, would require access by other makers of EVs. And that makes perfect sense. You can't give any kind of public money to a network that is going to be closed down for people that can only afford very, very expensive Teslas. Well, California's energy agency staff proposed awarding Tesla $6.4 million to build charges in rural areas, according to new grant documents. The company also applied for charging grants in Texas last November. It didn't win there. That whole thing was a bit sus. All the winners were, surprise, surprise, oil companies. Tesla say that because it was a... Uh, a bid they had to submit. They submitted theirs three minutes after the uh, the bidding opened. The kind of the, we call it a freedom of information request, or I think whatever the US equivalent is of freedom of information, where you can ask. Look, what happened here with this this public process? Uh, yeah, but they didn't get it. Even though it's first come, first served. Apparently, all the oil companies got there before Tesla, who put theirs in three minutes in. Anyway, thanks, Texas. Uh, Despite that, there's also a bunch of federal money where the Biden administration is giving states $7.5 billion, a share of $7.5 billion for charging stations, uh, all part of the $1 trillion infrastructure bill, which Congress has passed. That's not in doubt. Uh, While the federal infrastructure dollars won't start to become available until later this year, uh, Tesla's sites in places like Willows, Barstow, And Baker are among the 17 winners of the Californian grant to help build public charges. The California Energy Commission has to approve the funding. Probably October, says the Wall Street Journal. I'll pop a link to that story in the show notes so you can read more. How will they do it? We think we know with the magic dock, which sounds all very Apple, doesn't it? Like magic keyboard. But we think they'll do that with an adapter. So the cables will still have... On the end of the cable, the Tesla proprietary connector, but then there will be some sort of adapter that goes Tesla to CCS. Whether that adapter will either be locked onto the cable or locked into the supercharger, otherwise people would steal them or they go missing, I don't know, but haven't worked out how they'll do that yet. Or they'll just dual head them and put two cables on like happened over here when they made the transition. Tesla, of course, over here, all CCS too, and so... We kind of get it easy. So let's talk a little bit about a new website from General Motors. Yesterday, they introduced a new website called EV Live, which invites potential buyers and customers of GM to interact one-on-one with EV specialists, says the Detroit Free Press. It's to learn anything they need to know about EVs. GM's leaders say it will be a key factor in helping more people feel comfortable with EV adoption. EV Live is free to use and similar to other virtual shopping sites that GM has launched in recent years, like Cadillac Live uh, two years ago. It's a virtual showroom uh, where product specialists can give you a personalised 
tour. Now, the Detroit Free Press says, GM said EV Live will help accelerate EV adoption because customers connect with an EV specialist. EV Live is one of many recent moves by GM initiated to increase EV adoption. One of the things that I think GM could do to increase EV adoption is to make some electric vehicles, but maybe that's a wild theory of mine. Uh, GM CEO Mary Barra, who is uh, becoming one of the longest-running automotive CEOs out there, uh, says they'll sell a million EVs in North America by the middle of the decade. So a million EVs, pure EVs by 2025. She says that will surpass Tesla. Well, let's work out those numbers. By the end of this year, Fremont's at 550,000 and Texas 250,000. So that's 800,000 by the end of 2022 for Tesla if the Texas ramp goes as it should do. You think Tesla won't add 200,000 capacity in the US in the next three years? Anyway, anyway, hey, I'm not picking winners here. I'm not a Tesla fan or a GM fan. I just want to make sure that if someone says we're going to be number one and beat Tesla, that we pull the numbers apart a little bit and inspect what they're saying. I do rate what Mary Barra is doing at GM. The cars coming are fantastic. But yes, the ones they've got on the market now and coming that they're talking a lot about are not necessarily the mass market vehicles. You've got a Hummer, 100,000 plus Hummer, the Celestique, $300,000 Celestique. Uh, so let's get those cheaper EVs from GM on the market as soon as possible. A few less press releases and fancy websites, although this website does look absolutely stunning, by the way. Their designers done a great job with it. I think entering that next stage of the adoption curve, there's going to be so many more people looking at websites like this and it's a great thing that GM have done and put some resources into that. What they're not doing at the minute is putting their own money where their mouth is. Let's move on and tell you about this story. The U.S. Department, uh, Energy Department yesterday announcing that they will loan General Motors and LG, their battery supplier, $2.5 billion to finance the construction of a new lithium-ion battery cell manufacturing facility. The conditional commitment for the loan to the company, which is called Ultium Cells LLC, they're going to be made in Ohio, Tennessee, is expected to close in the uh, Ohio, Tennessee and Michigan, I should say, those three places, um, should close in the coming months and comes from their advanced technology vehicles manufacturing the ATVM loan program, according to Reuters. Now, if that sounds familiar, it's because if you've been following EVs, Tesla, Fisker and more over the years, that's what they used. Let me explain. Uh, according to Reuters, this loan plan hasn't been new since 2010. It was a first uh, came about in the, the the George Bush era, and it marks the Energy Department's first loan exclusively for battery cell manufacturing in the U.S. Production at its Ohio plant uh, will begin in August. An Ultium spokeswoman said to Reuters, the plant in Warren, Ohio, currently has 700 workers. Production set to begin at Tennessee in 2023 and Michigan in 2024. Link to Reuters in the show notes. The Verge points out that this loan fund attained mythical status back in the day of EV startups thanks to a $465 million loan to Tesla. That's credited with keeping the company alive and surviving. And since then, more EV startups have requested the money, but none have been granted it. So rather than putting this money towards startups, uh, they're going to put this money towards General Motors, who have consistently talked about how much money they're spending on electric vehicles. And now they're using a public money loan 
to do it. Like I say, I'm not picking winners. I know I'm hard on GM. I just want them to make amazing cars, make loads of batteries to put inside them and crack on with it. I'm sure, look, there's a long lead time in this and I'm sure that sometime next year, hopefully next year, uh, they'll have some decent numbers to report. Now, why you might you have heard about this fund before? Well, uh, Ford have used it five point nine billion uh, to renovate factories. Nissan used one point four five billion of it. Tesla, of course, very famous for paying back every penny of it, as did Nissan. Not so sure about Ford. Right, coming up on the podcast very soon. Uh, if you keep us turned on, we will talk a little bit uh, about spy shots of the new Kia EV9, the BMW i5, and why Apple could be getting into EV software in a big way. Uh, those stories are on the way. Now, let's talk about battery recycling. Redwood materials set up by uh, former Tesla co-founder and uh, CTO J.B. Straubel. Redwood Materials is uh, just announced this news coming in that they're going to spend 3.5 billion US dollars on a facility in northwest Nevada, confirming an earlier report by the Wall Street Journal. Uh, says mining.com. Redwood Materials has been around for about five years now, ramping up production of their anode and cathode components to 100 gigawatt hours by 2025. That is huge um that's an enormous enormous number so they've got so much work to do between now and then it's enough to supply batteries to a million electric vehicles a year and they've got bigger plans as well they're not stopping there they're 500 gigawatt hours by the end of the decade that's five million evs a year the nevada plant under construction outside reno is one of the first in the u.s to produce key ingredients needed to make batteries that power evs according to mining.com link in the show notes to that article I saw a tweet from Dustin Grace. He is the CTO of Proterra, who I rate very, very highly. Their their buses uh, don't get the electric buses, don't get the praise, which I think they deserve because they just they're out there and doing amazing service. Uh, Redwood Materials making bold moves to build their gigafactory in uh, reverse, says Dustin. Uh, Proterra contributes feedback into the Redwood Materials recycling machine since 2020. We look forward to pulling these materials back into made cells and packs in or putting these materials back into uh, cells and packs in the years ahead now let's look at some spy shots this first one coming from motor1.com of the kia ev9 this is going to be a big boxy three row suv if you want that big seven seater i'm guessing uh very tall very boxy flat roof uh, these spy shots show it uh, kia ev9 driving around in German traffic, covered in camouflage. Not just, you know, the the sticky wrap that makes your eyes go a bit googly-eyed, but I'm talking about they got the foam padding and everything all over it. We don't know what's going to be under the skin. It's on the same platform as the Hyundai and Kia and Genesis cars. So, you know, at the minute, the biggest battery, 77.4 kilowatt hours in those. So it could be that there's a bigger battery in this bigger vehicle to get the range. The wheelbase is longer, for instance, than anything we've had so far at 3,100 or 3.1 meters, I should say. So... Uh, the chief operating officer of Kia of America, uh, who is um, Stephen Center, uh, saying the price difference between the Telluride and the EV9 will be the same as the gap between the Sportage and the EV6. So there you go. Uh, BMW also driving around uh, test versions of their i5. Well underway development now, so a bit less camouflage on this testing on the Nürburgring in Germany. The i5 will go on sale next year. It'll rival, car- rival cars like the Mercedes-Benz EQE. And the Tesla Model S as well. Looks like a slightly bigger uh, BMW i4. 
But, you know, traditional styling, it's BMW. They're not doing crazy, wacky things, uh, although they are making amazing electric vehicles. Like the BMW iX is arguably, if my neighbour's got one about five doors down that way, and I don't know him well enough to talk to when he's gardening apart from, hello, uh, but not that I'm at all envious, uh, the iX is a stunning vehicle, perhaps. And some would argue the BMW iX is the best electric vehicle on the market. I don't say I, I would argue that, but some would. It's an incredible vehicle. So maybe some of the tech from that will filter its way to the i5, maybe the powertrain or something, uh, battery technology, uh, and some of the motors as well. Now let's talk Apple, and Apple's patent history has been investigated by Nikkei Asia. A joint investigation by Nikkei and the Tokyo Analytics Company uh, found that Apple's jumped into car-related technologies as shown by recent patent applications. They filed uh, patents in self-driving and vehicle software and vehicle hardware and also vehicle comfort and seats and suspension. And they found that as of June the 1st this year, they'd applied for 248 and published 248 automobile-related patents since the year 2000. It typically takes about 18 months after filing a patent for it to be published, says Nikkei Asia. And they write, many involve technology for materials and parts used to create windows, seats, suspension and other components that will make driving and riding more comfortable. In other words, Apple is not fixated on car play. Well, CNBC three or four days ago, I didn't. I read the article, thought it was interesting, but I didn't click to bring it up until I link it to the one that we've just given you, um, talks about how Apple software could be a Trojan horse. Apple is using the iPhone popularity to leverage the scale they've got with new CarPlay. Now, it's not out there yet, but we saw this at the uh, recent event in June, the Apple event. It takes over the whole interface of the interior screen in the car. It replaces all your things like your gauges, your speed dials. Apple look after what you see. It's a digital version powered by the driver's iPhone. So I didn't understand it at the time, and maybe it's been explained, but I haven't noticed it. How does that work if you're not an iPhone owner? Does the car then fall back to the Toyota software or the Nissan software or the Ford software? I don't quite know. Either way, new CarPlay helps car makers, they say, sell vehicles because people want to use it with their Apple phone. The engineering manager there, Emily Schubert, saying that 98% of new cars in the US uh, have CarPlay installed. That seems like a massive number. Uh, either way, CarPlay has clearly got huge scale from Apple. And the next generation of it uh, has certainly got a long way to go before we see it in vehicles because of the 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 refresh cycle of cars now apple can announce new carplay that takes over you know your your main screen your two screens whatever but then we have to wait maybe a year or 18 months for the car makers to say right now we're refreshing the the so and so and then we'll see it uh, the new carplay allows apple to collect data High-level knowledge, for instance, about how people use their EVs, the state of charge, how much they charge every night, the miles driven, the efficiency of the car, where they're going, because it will work with Apple Maps and uh, things like the topology of where you're driving, how weather is affecting range and battery and the route planning and charging. And that's a treasure trove of data should Apple ever want to make their own electric vehicle it's really interesting to think about it's all pie in the sky stuff at the minute but i find it really interesting to think about stuff that's not pie in the sky if you want to buy yourself a genesis gv70 a quick mention for this now on sale in the uk so genesis gv70 which they call electrified genesis have this 
stupid word they use, the electrified GV70. That's the word car makers have used for the last 10 years to make them sound more electric than they really are, if it's a shabby hybrid or something. Uh, however... It's not electrified. It's the pure electric GV70. It's it's much better than it, it sounds. Um, it's a pure electric car. It's based um, on the same shape and style as a combustion version of this, or as I like to call it, uh, their version of the Aston Martin DBX. It is, I think, a fantastic-looking vehicle. It's now available to pre-order in the UK. Starts at £64,000, I believe, and they say that the new technology in this uh, is a step up from anything they've done before. It's got vehicle-to-load, like the Hyundai and Kia cars have got. It's got the regen braking paddles, which I love, behind the steering wheel. Uh, 0-60 Two miles an hour, that's 100 k's in 4.2 seconds, and it's the first one that comes with uh, what's called e-terrain mode, so I guess it's that SUV shape, it's slightly ground clearance, slightly more, I guess people might want to, I don't know, drive across a muddy field once so they'll feel like a Range Rover driver, because they've engaged e-terrain mode anyway, sorry uh, I'm being cheeky, I'm sure it's very very useful, uh, but you know, if you're going off-roading, don't buy this car. Either way, um, it, uh, it's also got some really clever technology. Uh, it uses the front camera and the nav data, and it adapts the damping force of the suspension to control the vehicle's motion as you're approaching uh, potholes, speed bumps, optimal ride, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so a super luxury vehicle for not super money. I really like this. I really really like this i know that i'm being a cliche now and liking an suv and i don't need one i shouldn't get one to get an estate car but i really like this also also loving uh what the uk charging network osprey are doing uh, now i know their ceo the best in the business ian johnston uh the, and i had him on the podcast before by the way uh interviewed him at fully charged live he says the team at osprey are delighted to sign up to ev charge safe uh to is part of their commitment to make public charging easy and accessible charge safe is a new uh, accessibility criteria uh to help guide charging operators uh, to ensure that they're is is accessible to everyone. It's uh, been done in line with Motability, which helps disabled people acquire vehicles. And combined with detailed safety criteria, lighting, CCTV, nearby facilities, etc., it's a rating system that provides drivers to make informed decisions about where you go and charge. EV Charge Safe is inspecting and rating all of the UK's charging locations this year. Have 63-point criteria. Pop a link to that story at Transport and Energy in the show notes. Now, the final story today is about electric bikes. E-bikes are becoming more like motorbikes, but they're not because that would make them a motorbike. Either way, with so many advances in two-wheel technology, uh, we see these e-bikes getting better and better all the time. According to this article on webbikeworld.com, though many motorheads may think of a moped as slow, a purely electric emulation is a considerable uh, achievement, they say. There are many models to choose from, although most on the market average a speed of about 20 or 30 miles per hour hour. Despite this advancement, the majority of models remain operable uh, unassisted with the pedal use only, so uh, they're not electric motorcycles. They've got pedals. You can pedal them without any kind of electrical help, and they've put together the, their three favourites. In third place, the Stealth B52 Bomber. It'll do 50 miles an hour and go 62 miles. Uh, they, in second place, have put the Delfast 
top 3.0, does 50 miles an hour, and will go for 199.5 miles. What? And in first place is the E-Rocket, which will go 56 miles an hour, which is 90 kilometres an hour, and go for 75 miles of range. That's 90 kilometres an hour on a bicycle. It doesn't look like a bicycle, by the way. It looks like a motorbike, but it's got pedals. So that's how it is classified. I'll pop a link to Web Bike World in the show notes uh, so you can uh, read more and see more. Question of the week, taking a little break for now, uh, but it will return very soon. Thank you very much to all of our listeners on the podcast. And uh, if you haven't subscribed yet, uh, you can crack open your favourite podcast app, whether that is Apple or Android. Android, I use uh, Overcast uh, as my weapon of choice on my iPhone. Uh, but w- whatever you use for podcasts, uh, open it up, search EV News Daily, and you can hit subscribe so you get it every single day. Two podcasts, actually. A short version, a five-minute version called EV News Briefly, if you're busy, or this full show, which should be about 20 minutes and Today I'm running really long. Sorry about that. Thanks to our premium partners on Patreon. Couldn't do it without all the Patreon support. But Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Brad Crosby, Porsche of the Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii. Derek Riley, check out his EV Review Island YouTube channel because uh, the reviews are excellent. Richard is at rsev.co.uk. He buys and sells cars in the UK. If you want one or want to sell one, give him a call. Uh, hi to Octopus Electric Juice. They make public charging simple with one card, one map, and one app. And MillbrookCottages.co.uk. Five star luxury cottages down in the southwest in Devon. Stunning, stunning location. And we charge your EV while you're there. Have a good and see you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self charging hybrid. <laughs>